Hello, everyone. This is Patty Post, and this podcast, the Checkable Health Podcast, we are featuring Jen Boulay, who is the lactation expert. And I am breaking this up into two episodes. And the reason is because she has so much meat to the bone on this conversation. Breastfeeding is something that every mom really wants to do, but is most of the time not prepared prior to delivering her baby. And we talk a lot about that, about preparation, about feeling normal, about some of the things that happen that you experience that you think it's just you. No, it happens to everyone and be patient. So this is part one of that series. And we are going to talk about a lot of things from cluster feeding to being prepared to being patient. And then we will move on to episode two with Jen Boulay, the lactation consultant. I hope that you share this. If you are not an expectant mom or a nursing mom, uh, I'd hope that you would share these episodes with someone that is because this would make her day just to hear from an expert like Jen, who has been in the delivery room four years as a nurse, and is a lactation expert. So with that, let's get into this episode with Jen Boulay, the lactation expert. Welcome to the Checkable Health Podcast, where we're helping everyday moms rethink how their healthcare begins at home through healthy living, access to information, and technology. On each episode, we interview healthcare providers and experts on topics that affect us as mothers as we raise our children. We'll cover topics across the spectrum of health to bring awareness of important issues, conditions, therapies, and technology. We believe your healthcare begins at home with us moms. The healthier we are, the healthier our loved ones are. Hi, everyone. This is the Checkable Health Podcast, and my name is Patty Post. I'm founder and CEO of Checkable. And on this podcast, we are helping moms live healthier lives and then helping them make life healthier for their families as well. And today I'm very happy to have my guest, Jen Boulay, who is the lactation expert. Jen, welcome to the Checkable Health Podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Patty, so much for having me. I'm excited to have some great conversations. I'm excited to talk with you as well. We already have had um, some great chit chat before we got on. So first, why don't you introduce yourself um, to give everyone an understanding of your expertise? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jen Boulay, also known as the lactation expert on kind of all social media platforms. And I really kind of got into this um, because I've been a maternity nurse for the last eight years. I'm actually a certified maternal newborn nurse. So I teach all kinds of different things with newborn care, breastfeeding, kind of every realm of after birth that you can think of. <laughs> and I really have a passion for breastfeeding. I exclusively breastfed all three of my own children, my last daughter for 22 months. And wow. I learned so many different things with each breastfeeding journey because they were all so different. And I just wanted to, you know, create my online following to help moms feel more confident, feel more empowered with breastfeeding, because I can, I know how daunting it can be and mm -hmm. the struggles that come up with like, there's so many different things, mastitis, clogged breast ducts, jaundice, you know, um, weight loss, all these different issues. So I just wanted to get out there and share all of my knowledge and expertise just to see if I could help anyone 
anywhere in the world, really, because that's the best thing about social media. Yeah, you. So, we have a far it. reach with social media, don't we? That's awesome. Yes, yes, and absolutely. People from around the world. And do you have, um, so tell us about your online, but what are the services that you offer? Yeah, sure. Um, so I currently have an app that I created called Latched. So it's L-A-T-C-H apostrophe D. And it's a whole app that I created with an online course to help moms prepare for breastfeeding while they're still pregnant. So just how if you're going to prepare for birth, you're going to prepare for breastfeeding. So learn mm-hmm. some key things to help you in those sleepy phases with baby when they're cluster feeding, night feedings, everything that you can think of, I kind of put in there to help women with that. And I also do some one-on-one coaching, but I'm a little busy right now, so I'm not currently doing that. Um, but I've also helped some moms locally around the Austin, Texas area and online kind of over over video and Zoom and things like that too, to give them extra tips and tricks. So, so yeah. are you doing any more work in the hospital or are you strictly, are you a owner operator now? Oh yeah, no, I'm still, I'm still over the hospital. So I'm a supervisor currently over NICU and mother baby, since we're a little bit of a smaller unit. So I get to help kind of on both sides, you know, those severe preemies, we can take 32 weekers and up. So seeing some of those ones and helping moms really focus on honing and getting their milk supply in. Mm -hmm. So when their baby can finally eat, they can have their milk because that's going to be the most beneficial for their gut. And then, and then all the well babies. I also help after delivery as well, right after delivery as a transition nurse. So I kind of do almost every single role in the maternity realm except labor and delivery. Yeah. Well, it's so important. Hands-on care post-delivery yeah. is just amazing. You just feel so lonely after birth too. And to have a smiling face and carrying hands like yours um, is so nice after you've had your baby. So I'm sure that your patients love you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been a, a, a wonderful journey. I actually loved night shift too. I did night shift for six years mm, and wow. that's where I felt like the moms really struggled the most mm-hmm. because those night feedings when baby was probably sleeping all day because multiple people were holding them or mm-hmm. talking, they had all that noise. And then at night they're quiet and they know they have mom to themselves and that's when they cluster feed. Yeah. And that's when parents really start to struggle and there's more opportunity for them to think that they might need formula, but sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to push through. So I'd be like their number one cheerleader, like, mm-hmm. okay, you're going to do this and this and this, and I'll help you do this. And we can push through and get you to the morning and maybe your milk will be in, mm-hmm. you know, oh, so just that's... lots of, lots of positive encouragement and things like that and giving them the options. Cause a lot of moms don't know that hospitals, um, if you're going to have a baby in the hospital, almost all of them have to have breast pumps. Mm. And moms always think like, oh, I don't, I didn't bring my breast pump, so I can't pump. Well, mm-hmm. most hospitals do have breast pumps that you can okay. use. You just have to ask. But I notice a lot of nurses aren't always forthcoming with the education, but I always just try to let them know what's available to them mm-hmm. and to try and reach their goals. Because mm-hmm. if they want to do both, if they want to exclusively breastfeed, whatever it is, I'm here for them to help them reach those goals. So when they go home, it's a smoother transition and they have like a plan. Mm-hmm. So you have such so an optimistic way of talking about this. I love that because a lot of times when you're in a healthcare setting, a nurse might have several patients or even a lactation consultant can only have mm-hmm. 20 minutes because she's so booked up I know. with with new patients. And having an optimistic attitude, I think, makes a difference when doing something like caring for your newborn and trying, yeah. to, trying to feed them. 
because there's so many yeah. obstacles. So let's talk about that. Something that you said that I have never heard is cluster feeding. What is that? So cluster feeding is usually the first 24 hours after birth, babies are just exhausted, just like mom. You know, they mm-hmm. were squeezed every few minutes, had to go through mm-hmm. labor. So they're tired too. So those first few minutes, like 24 hours, they're like in this sleepy phase. And then right after that, they start to cluster feed because they don't have the placenta for 24-7 nutrition anymore. Mm-hmm. And now they need calories and they need, they're hungry. Mm-hmm. So now this is when they start to cluster feed and they could feed every 15 minutes to an hour just mm. telling mom's body like, Hey, I, I need more. I need mm-hmm. your milk in ASAP. Mm-hmm. Like let's get going. And that's where I start to see a lot of like nipple soreness moms, you know, having issues getting a little lazy with positioning because they're so exhausted and like yeah. hunching their shoulders and things mm-hmm. like that. So I really like to use a lot of pillows and show them some really great positioning so they can kind of relax back a little bit okay. more that makes and sense. everything. But, um, but they can feed continuously, just trying to stimulate and tell your body like, Hey, I need this, this colostrum and your breast milk in within three to five days, because now I don't have the placenta nutrition. I'm hundred percent focused on your breast milk only. Wow. So it, it can be very mentally and physically exhausting mm-hmm. too. Cause then mom, you know, mom, if she had a C-section, mm-hmm. those are, those are surgery patients. I used to do, um, surgery nursing before maternity and, you know, those moms that had a C-section, you know, they're a full surgical patient then trying to take care of a newborn. And mm-hmm. some of them, the, the dads actually have to stay home with other kids and mm-hmm. they're alone. Right. They're alone as a new surgical patient with a newborn mm-hmm. who's cluster feeding. They're trying to breastfeed. So there's so many different like factors emotionally and everything. Mm-hmm. So just giving them all the support so they, so they can reach their goals and whatever they want to do, that's going to be best for them when they go home. That's what we're going to do and support. But those oh. cluster feeding, those cluster feeding times can be can be exhausting. I didn't even know about that um, that twenty four hours post birth and thinking of the visitors. And I had C sections mm-hmm. as well. Thinking of the visitors that came and just yeah. like sort of this tug and pull. It's like mm-hmm. for a new mom listening or or a expecting mom listening, or maybe yeah. yeah, expecting mom whether you've had one already or not maybe say, don't visit me the first two days or visit me when I get home. Because when it's a revolving door of families coming in, then you can't focus on your own body and your baby. And it's, and it's also awkward for, for moms, like in that they feel so vulnerable after birth to tell grandparents like, Hey, yeah, I don't want you to visit. So Mm -hmm. I'll talk to mom. Sometimes I'll be like, Hey, you know, if this is like somebody that you're like, baby's coming up to feed, like we can have like a code word where I'll kind of come in. I'll be like, Hey, so, you know, you tell me and I'll be like, okay guys, time to go. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of, a lot of moms aren't comfortable breastfeeding their, mm-hmm. their newborn in front of a bunch of family. Right. And like, I totally get it. Like, yeah. um, but it's, but we miss some of those early feeding cues mm-hmm. because there's so many visitors. Mm-hmm. And I do see that all the time because a baby's going to stay sleeping if somebody's holding them and rocking them mm-hmm. and talking to them as a grandparent and then mom's like falling asleep because she's exhausted. Yes. And then next thing you know, five or six hours have gone by mm-hmm. and now this baby's hangry at yes. that point, won't lash because they're so frantic. Yeah. And then mom's getting anxious and, and people are and like, like sweaty. outside the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I just, 
Uh, so I really encourage people to leave visitors at home if they can. Mm -hmm. Actually, for my husband and I, we actually didn't tell anyone when we mm -hmm. when I went into labor with my first son. Mm -hmm. And it worked out so well because I was able to solely focus on myself and my birth mm -hmm. and then him focus on me. Yeah. And then we had that first 24 hours of just us figuring out each other and bonding and everything. So there's no interruptions. And so we continued that for our other two children and we Aww. didn't tell anybody. And, and so we didn't have visitors, so we could focus those first few days getting to know one each other, our rhythm, our positioning, and it worked out beautifully. And that was important to us. Mm -hmm. Some people don't agree with that, but I do encourage it, especially if it's your first time mm -hmm. exclusively breastfeeding and you really want to get a good start. Mm -hmm. The more interruptions you have, the harder it's, the harder it's going to be because we're already interrupting so many times in the hospital anyways. It's such good advice. It, and then get that baby to not be sleeping all day because that nighttime is yeah. can be so stressful yep. too. Um, exactly. Another thing that I'm curious about is, so you mentioned about the milk coming in. That's, mm -hmm. that is a, a very stressful time too, because your baby is hungry. Yes. And if your body yes. isn't producing what they did for me when I had a C-section was they first gave him formula. And because mm -hmm. it was 19 years ago and I was still strapped to the bed, so it actually yeah. made it harder because then post-delivery, I didn't nurse right away. And then yeah. with the epidural and all the drugs, it was like my milk didn't come in for two days. And then I suddenly got very engorged. So yes. what do you, like, how do you coach a mom through these things if she doesn't have someone like you? Or how do you prepare for that? Yeah. So I like to tell moms that the majority of the time, I would say about 95% of the time, your milk is not going to be in by the time you leave the hospital. Mm -hmm. and, okay. that's, and that's true. Vaginal deliveries mm -hmm. after COVID, we're now sending home at 24 hours. Sometimes. Wow, really? C-sections yep, at 48 hours. So oh most moms aren't going to have their milk in by two days. The, right. Usually we say three to five is kind okay. of the normal. If you're stimulating enough and you're doing lots of skin to skin and you're solely focusing on your baby's early feeding cues and putting them to the breast and there's no mm -hmm. issues with latching or transferring of milk or anything like that, that's going to be a factor. But usually your milk's not going to be in. So really, you know, there's this gap. There's this huge gap from leaving the hospital and going home and trying to do it all on your own mm -hmm. and making sure you're figuring it out. Yeah. Plan. So I always encourage moms, especially first time moms to really follow up with a local IBCLC lactation consultant, because really once you get home and your milk isn't, that's a whole nother ball game. Mm -hmm. Now, now you get that engorgement. Yes. There's possible like clogged breast ducts. You mm -hmm. know, you're like, is baby getting enough? You're constantly questioning yourself. So there's so many other factors when you go home. And I wish I could follow every mom home and guide yeah. them personally, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> but I can't. Yeah. So just trying to encourage them that they're doing all the right things and to trust the process. Like mm. we have to trust our bodies. We live in such a society where we focus on instant gratification. Mm -hmm. If it's not there right now, then it's not happening. Mm -hmm. And that, that's not how it is with breastfeeding. Like you, you do the work and you trust your body and your baby's, you know, stimulating. If you feel like they're not doing enough, you can pump or hand express. And eventually your milk is going to come in for what baby needs, but you mm. have to trust that process. And a lot mm. of moms are always like, I don't think they're getting enough. I don't. And I'm like, no, like they are, like their mm -hmm. weight's fine, their diapers are good. So look at these other factors and really just trying to trust. I think it's a good mindset piece in this generation is yes. to learn how to trust our bodies because we've been here for hundreds of thousands of years mm -hmm. and we wouldn't be here today if moms couldn't breastfeed before mm -hmm. there was formula. 
So yeah. really we do know what we're doing and to trust your gut, really. This podcast is sponsored by Checkable.com. Checkable is revolutionizing healthcare by bringing healthcare home with fast and accurate at-home rapid diagnostics and pairing it with telehealth services available through our mobile application, available on the App Store and Google Play. Checkable.com offers an array of rapid diagnostics that allow you to own your health at home. We have a UTI, vaginal pH, and two rapid breast milk strips. One will measure alcohol and the other to measure nutritional value. Checkable puts treatment options at your fingertips so you can test at home, see a provider, and get your treatment plan sent to your neighborhood pharmacy. It's checkable.com. It's, it sounds like patience is something that like patiently and, and just know, be optimistic about it, that it's going to work. Yeah. And the first time you do it, it might, and maybe the 10th time even, I mean, I yeah. remember all of my kids putting them to the breast and be like, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't know why I was stressed about it. Like they're new to doing it too. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. It, it is natural, but it's not natural. That's the weird thing about breastfeeding. Exactly. I, I totally agree. It's like, you think it's going to be natural, but then sometimes it's just not. And it's just like riding a bike. Like you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're falling a couple times, you know, it might take 10 times to latch. And then the next time it only takes two and mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of all over the place. You, it's like a learning curve for both where you're just in every mm -hmm. breastfeeding is journey is different with each baby mm -hmm. too. They're mm -hmm. all just so unique. So you can't compare Definitely. that either. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, what is one of the things that you had said something about your son? How did you, can you tell us that story about yep. your son and then how you identified that and what you're seeing now with other babies like him? Yeah. So my first son, um, Carter was born in 2015 and I was struggling with breastfeeding. He was born early. First of all, he was 37 and one. I went into labor. Okay. My water broke and, you know, he had to go to the NICU a little bit after he was having some extra fluid in his lungs. And I remember trying to breastfeed in the hospital and it never happened ever. Mm. I solely really and pumped the entire time in the mm. hospital. He never latched. So then I followed up with an IBCLC with my pediatrician's office because it was covered under insurance. Um, like a, a week later, finally got him latched with a nipple shield. Oh my so then gosh. I could, and then I did that. And then I was trying to get mm -hmm. them off because they told me, you know, nipple shields aren't for a long term term use. Tried to get them off. And it was the most excruciating toe curling pain. I know when a mom's having oh. pain, it's if they curl yeah. their toes and they go, yeah. I know it hurts, yeah. you know, like, you yeah. know, you can read it on their face. And that's exactly what I had. And they were bleeding. They were raw. And I was, I just remember mm -hmm. sitting there on the couch and I'm like, I know it's not supposed to be this painful. Like I know there's a mm -hmm. learning curve and there should be some soreness. And it was my first. And I was the only mom around. I had kids young and none of my friends were even married or dating. So my husband and <sighs> I were yeah. the first ones to have kids. None of my family breastfed. My mom, mm -hmm. no one. So mm -hmm. I was all alone. Really? I was like, yeah. And I was just desperate to figure it out. And I trusted my gut. And I was like, I know something else is wrong. So I paid out of pocket for a private lactation consultant that wasn't covered on my insurance. And I was like, this is my last effort. And she brought me in and we tried to latch. She weighed him before and after to see how much he would okay. take from the breast too. He okay. literally took like zero. 
And I couldn't, I couldn't even do it because it was so painful. And she immediately did a full mouth assessment. And she was like, Oh, he has severe lip and tongue ties. And I was like, I had never even heard of that before. Cause in the hospital, they never checked his mouth. They were only just checking Mm -hmm. him trying to latch. And Mm -hmm. we went to a pediatric dentist in Albany, New York, because we lived in Massachusetts at the time. And it was the best decision I ever did. I got them lasered and then we did exercises. He nursed right after for the first time at five weeks old. And then he nursed for a full 13 months after. Oh my gosh. And the whole time I I thought it was me, you know, I was having all that mom guilt. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like I was watching YouTube video after YouTube video. I think I saw like four lactation consultants, like total. And still Mm -hmm. nobody was giving me answers until that last one where she actually looked in his mouth. So it was actually him that had the issue, not me. Cause my milk was in, I had copious Mm -hmm. amounts of milk and I was like, I don't understand what's wrong. So it was the best decision I ever made. And I'm seeing, we're seeing it a lot more. Nobody really knows why a lot of babies are having tongue ties and issues. Um, but I do always try to educate parents and just give them the information. Mm -hmm. These are the things to watch Mm -hmm. out for. Like if they're continually feeding for like over an hour, they're only satisfied for like 15 to 20 minutes and they want to feed again. That's kind of a red flag because it shouldn't be cluster feeding all the time. If it's like that, mm-hmm. that means there's an yeah. issue with the transfer. Like their tongue can't do the proper movement to pull the milk from the breast into their mouth. And that's what okay. my son had. It was like the number one wow. sign um, of a tongue tie is that just had no movement in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And then it was just damaging my nipple. So. Wow. So then they just take a laser at the dentist, just like uh-huh. they do with gums or, yep. and then just laser it down. Yeah. Wow. It was like, it was like a three minute procedure and he nursed right after pain-free, no issues, oh had full God. tongue movement. Yep. That's amazing. And we did, we did do exercises, which a lot of people, um, some places don't tell parents about, but I always encourage them to, because if you think about it, if you bite your cheek, your mouth heals mm-hmm. really quick, right? You don't mm-hmm. even, like the next day, it, you right. can't even feel it. Well, the tongue, right. same thing. It wants to heal back together. So mm-hmm. it can really quickly. So you have to make sure you do exercises to prevent it from healing back together until it heals. So we did With like- With a brand mouth. new little guy? That's crazy. Yeah. I know it was, it was not fun. I'm telling you, I cried. But at the same time, I was like, I knew how important it was to have that full mm-hmm. range of motion because when mm-hmm. they do have a tongue uh, phrenectomy, which is uh, releasing the- frenulum, there should be like a diamond of tissue underneath and you should be able to see that Mm -hmm. diamond. If it's starting Mm -hmm. to close, then you know it's healing back together. Oh, got it. So then you had to do exercises to keep it Yeah, to kind of just like strengthen the tongue and keep it apart multiple times. I think it was like three times a day. So that was the hardest part. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It was that Mm -hmm. fun, but it was 100% worth it. 100% worth it. Because now he doesn't have, uh, because babies can have speech problems later on in life too. Right. You don't know that right away, but if they mm-hmm. have a severe tongue tie, guess what? That's, mm-hmm. that's your language right there is your tongue. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I always try to give parents the education and just show them what I'm seeing with their tongue. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of um, the posterior ones, their tongue will curl in a U. Mm-hmm. So you see these babies with a U tongue when they cry, but it's not as obvious because you can't see the piece. And it's, oh, yeah. and that's mostly, um, that's a posterior tongue tie. And those are the harder ones that get missed all the time. And that's what my son had because it, you didn't see a piece of tissue holding the tongue down. It was all embedded underneath in the mucosa. And mm-hmm. uh, so I just try to educate parents and give them their options, what to watch mm-hmm. out for. And when they go home, they can make the best decision for their baby. But mm-hmm. a lot of, um, a lot of babies go 
missed. And then, you know, mom start, you know, I had a great supply, you know, right after birth. And then like months later, it starts to trickle down mm -hmm. and they don't know why. Mm -hmm. And that is probably the number one issue is they did really have a tongue tie and they're just not stimulating enough at the breast. So eventually oh, their supply so will just go down. Yeah. One of the first moms what? I worked with was from Australia and her daughter mm -hmm. was six months and we, she had a severe lip and tongue tie. We got it fixed, had to work on some things for like a month. And then she was good after that, but she never knew because oh no one had told her. Wow. I have, I actually, my cousin's little boy, she, he had a tongue tie and it's been so long. Oh. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess it, it was a big deal for her. That yeah. was, and they, they got it figured out, but, um, that's so interesting that you self and you didn't self diagnose you went and you you found the professionals to help you right. but do you talk about that on your app or is there uh, yep. things that you can look for yeah i have a whole separate training that comes with it all about lip and tongue ties so moms can know what okay. signs to watch out for when you're breastfeeding and d the different options. So there's non-invasive and invasive options. So you can mm -hmm. do like chiropractic care if you if you don't want to get it okay. cut or anything yet. They can work on releasing tension in the jaw and down the neck and everything to help um, relax those muscles of the tongue too. If you don't want to get it oh. clipped. Uh, okay. So there. So I talk about all kinds of different options. A uh, lots of pictures and stuff because I'm a visual mm -hmm. person too. Because mm -hmm. there's four different stages for each, like stage one, two, three, and four. Four is the worst. So I show mm -hmm. moms different pictures of anterior and posterior and what it looks like. So I've done a lot of research oh, wow. since 2015 on it because mm -hmm. it was so important to me, and I felt like mm -hmm. if somebody had looked into his mouth at birth, mm -hmm. we could have avoided five weeks of struggles in lots of tears, right. you know, right. But I had to figure it out on my own and go with my, my mom gut that something else wasn't right, you know, and a lot of moms will push that off and just think it's them and not yeah. follow through all the way. But I know it's, it's a lot, it's a lot with a newborn. You yeah, know? absolutely. So There's so I much going I on. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Mm -hmm. When it comes to milk supply after you mentioned it, that maybe a couple months, then it starts weaning. And that's what happened to me. It was hard to keep my milk supply up. What do you recommend for moms with a low milk supply after a certain amount of time? Yeah. Um, so definitely, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of different factors to look at. Number one, lip and tongue ties, but mostly the tongue ties can do it. But if they're adding in pumping, making sure they're using the right flange size. This is something mm -hmm. that I'm a big proponent on educating on my social mm -hmm. media and on my app is because we think whatever comes in the box is what we have mm -hmm. to use. But the majority of women, I would say like 90% actually need a smaller flange size because it's supposed to oh, be wow. the, the size of the nipple, not the areola mm -hmm. or the breast. So you could have right. the biggest breast, but if you have tiny nipples, you're going to need a tiny mm -hmm. size flange, but the ones that come in the box will be way too big. And then you're pulling in yes. more areola, which leads to more mm -hmm. pain and less milk output. So right. So that is oh the gosh. number one thing that I tell moms all the time. Like, did you ever measure your flange size? And they're like, no, I just mm -hmm. used what came in the box. And I came, I have one mom come in and she was like a size 14. She was using like a 25, 27. Oh, wow. So, so what comes in all standard? Her areola. Uh, it's come standards in almost every single pump is 24 and 27 millimeters. Okay. Okay. And I would say the majority of women are 21 millimeters oh. and under. 
Yeah. That totally makes sense. Like I'm having mom things right now of remembering back of pumping and like painful, not the like definitely wasn't the right size. I didn't even right. know that you could. So do they go to their manufacturer to get a new one? No, you can just go on Amazon now. And I have like a free okay. training to show moms exactly how to measure. Like it literally takes like 15 seconds to measure with okay. a tape measure to know your exact size. And if you are breastfeeding and pumping for like a month or so, you will need to increase because they will get larger. But mm -hmm. in the beginning, all these moms are using the wrong sizes, you know, and I, wow. I feel bad because even in the hospital, if whatever we have, the small size we hold is 21 millimeters and some moms need like 15 or 17 and we oh don't have gosh. them. So that's why I always try to encourage and educate moms to do this beforehand. Even if you don't think you're going to use your pump, it's still good to have your correct sizes just in case you do. Because no one ever right. knows when they're going to have a NICU baby, a baby in NICU, right. and now they need to pump and they don't have the right sizes. And I see that all the oh. time too in the hospital where mom's like, hey, I, I, now I got a pump. And it's like, okay, well, you're like a size 15. We only have 21. So I just have to give them the, the wrong size. And I, I hate right. that, but it's better than nothing. But I, I wish there was more education from the pump companies too to like, mm -hmm. hey, whatever comes in the box – isn't necessarily your size. So, mm -hmm. so that is the so number you, one thing that I like to tell moms. So, and that help, does that help with milk production too? So then you're yes. actually, you're expressing the right, you're expressing as much as you can. And then your mm -hmm. body knows to produce yeah. the right amount. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Because it's how Anything. it creates the letdown too. Like your nipple should only be going in. If your aerial is going in too, it's not stimulating the correct way to elicit right. an efficient letdown to open your breast ducts right. and release the milk. So that's why it's super important. This is so interesting. I had the same <laughs> lactation consultant for all three of my kids, like at this hospital that I was at. And I had the same labor and delivery nurse Oh my and gosh, postpartum. So I had the same nurse. And it was crazy because it was only, it was within seven years that I had three kids and I knew nothing, none of this. So I'm like, gosh, I wish, well, I'll tell people, but um, <laughs> I'm glad that we're interviewing you. Uh, yeah. What about when you, um, so if you're not producing enough milk, are there things that like nutrition, water, exercise, mm -hmm. like things that can cause that? I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Checkable Health Podcast. If you want more information, head over to CheckableHealth.com for show notes, links, and resources mentioned in today's podcast. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to get all of the Checkable Health at-home healthcare details as soon as they're released. Find us on every social channel at Checkable Health. Cheers to living your healthiest and happiest life.